This is Arab Talk on KPOO San Francisco, 89.5 FM. This is Arab Talk with Justin Jamal. I'm Justin Nam. And this is Jamal Dejani. Jamal, we have a great show today, but before we get going, I have some breaking news. And the breaking news is that uh, earlier this week, Mike Pompeo was speaking with Benjamin Netanyahu, the embattled prime minister of Israel. And uh, this was in the context of uh, announcing the basically the approval of the annexation and the theft of the Golan Heights. The United States was changing decades of international opinion and law on this matter. And he happily announced to Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and, and at least 66% of the citizens of Israel and announced that he believed that Trump was sent by God to save the people of Israel. Okay, so let's uh, put it put this in But that's breaking news. Breaking and, news. And just to make sure, well, it's not that breaking now because this has been going on for a while. However, But news uh, from God, it's a big it, deal that It is. You well, know. Uh, let let's just be accurate with uh, what transpired uh, just so in an interview in Jerusalem, and this is uh, an interview that was con- conducted by the Christian Broadcast Network, the uh, CBN, uh, Chris Mitchell asked Pompeo, could it be that President Trump right now has been sort of raised for such a time as this, just like Queen Esther, to help save the Jewish people from the Iranian menace? Uh, of course, Esther is the main heroine of the Jewish holiday of Purim, which coincided with this conversation, which right. uh, was celebrated that week. And uh, Pompeo's answer was, as a Christian, I certainly believe that's possible. So so then he added that he's confident that the Lord is at work here when he sees the remarkable history of the faith in this place and the work that our administration's done to make sure that this democracy in the Middle East, meaning Israel, that this Jewish state remains. So the remarks, okay. by the way, okay. as you've said, came right. shortly after Trump announced that the U.S. will recognize Israel, right. Israel's sovereignty over the Golan Heights, overturning longstanding U.S. policy toward and, and the inter- area. And international. But let's break it down a little bit, Jamal, because— you you gave you gave the quote a lot of um, substantial context, but let's look at the meaning of what Mike Pompeo and the Christian Broadcasting Network, the CBN, is actually saying. To put it bluntly, there are people who are running this government, the U.S. government, specifically the Secretary of State, who are basing their policy of the U.S. Uh, of, of the United States on the belief that God is somehow has anointed, done something, elected, divinely intervened to elect Trump, not so much for the United States. To raise Trump, actually. To raise Trump in such a way as to support uh, the people of Israel. Now, if we take a step back, not only is that disturbing— not only is it reckless, not only is it, uh, I mean, there are so many adjectives that we could use. Let's flip it upside down, Jamal, and try to imagine for a moment 
if the shoe was on the other foot and somebody said, well, we believe that someone was brought by Allah to serve the people of, you know, and fill in the blank. I mean, what, whatever country <laughs> or place wanted to do. Would not there be an absolute outrage, a kind of, um, you know, mass kind of attack on anybody uh, in this country who would dare say such a thing in a country where we have a clear separation between state and church, that it somehow privileges the secretary of state who is sworn to the Constitution of the United States to make such an outrageous comment, also in the context of the attacks on Ilhan Omar, who is accused of uh, worshiping or believing in Sharia law just because she wears hijab. I mean, the utter hypocrisy, let alone the absolute like mind-blowing concept that our foreign policy is being dictated in this way. Well, it's I mean, staggering. I mean, if you think about it, the, this whole idea that uh, something is divine or something is biblical, that now we use it for our foreign policy, our foreign policy, and for diplomacy. <clears throat> you know, then that that the foreign policy. Uh, of the United States is somewhat is, is somehow dictated by the Bible, by the Bible, or by evangelical endeavors, or right one interpretation and, of the Bible, and it 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 really you know I mean takes you back to the Crusader times. I mean, yes, God has willed it. This was the, this was the phrase that was used during the Crusades. During the Crusades to entice criminals at the time. A lot of them, they, they recruited through criminals and people who were pretty much were sentenced uh, to serve life in prison and in the dungeons that they will see salvation if they went to Jerusalem because God willed it and to annihilate, annihilate its inhabitants at the time at yes. the time yes by the way they were both muslims jews and christians who were uh, slaughtered in jerusalem uh, and so now you know they're taking us back to these times of the crusader times saying that god has willed it somehow and but how and, do they and, get away and, and and trump was sent by the way i mean Okay, if if they have chosen, let's say, Mother Teresa, I might have went along. But but the fact that God brings somebody like Trump, like Trump, to be the salvation for humanity, the salvation no, no, but for Israel, the salvation for mankind, is laughable. No, it, but it is dangerous at the same time. Yeah, the it's if it weren't so dangerous, it would be laughable, Jamal, no doubt. But the danger that our foreign policy is being dictated by evangelical Christians and it is. who are determining that our strategic interests in the world should be driven by biblical interests and a particular biblical interpretation, which is a, a right-wing extreme evangelical perspective— should frighten every single American, should frighten every single American that the dictates of careful analysis, of diplomacy, of trying to act in the best interests of the United States and our long-term interests should be dictated by a handful of evangelical Christians is mortifying, is scary. And I will also say, if I were 
part of the Jewish faith, and someone told me that Trump came to save me. I'd be very worried. I would not sleep well at night about that, Jamal. I would not sleep well. But look at the timing, Jess. It's all connected. The timing, number one, of course, there is a major land grab, which we know that Israel ha has been grabbing lands from Palestine, from Syria, from Lebanon. They still hold on to the Sheba farms uh, and so forth to kind of like, A, give them the green light. This is at a time when we try to oppose Russian hold over Crimea. Right. So imagine if if uh, your secretary of state today said, uh, or your president said, I'm going to sign a declaration that Crimea is Russian. The whole world would have been upside down. In a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Yeah. But, but now, basically, Donald Trump is playing... Um, not only God, he was sent by God, <laughs> because this is what at least the uh, evangelists think that he was. But also, he is now playing the role of Balfour. Yes. Takes, takes you back to the Balfour Declaration. To the Declaration, Balfour Declaration. When you had Great Britain, which was basically the superpower of the day, to dictate and decide the whole future of the, the whole Palestinian nation, to just give their land away to the uh, Zionists uh, from Europe, right? Exactly. And so now, <clears throat> this is similar. For Syria, They he's playing this, that same role, signing off, the Golan Heights, the occupied Syrian Golan Heights, to Israel. I mean, and again, there is only one uh, superpower in the world, and that is the United States. And he's acting like an emperor. He's right. acting like this is, we have this right. empire. The empire can give people's land to others. They can take territory. They can, you know allow the aggressor to hold on. I mean, what happened to the international standards? No. What happened to United no. Nations resolutions? What happened to any no, of exactly these things? that's exactly right, Jamal. It's, it's, it's meaningless. That's exactly right, Jamal. You're exactly right. Let's keep in mind, for the sake of sanity and for the sake of international law and for international diplomacy, let's just, for the sake of sanity for the moment, Jamal, remind our listeners that the Golan Heights is part of Syria. It's part of Syria as part of international law. The, during the War of 67, the Israeli military occupied the Golan Heights. It has been occupied Golan Heights since 1967, full stop, fully supported by the international community, fully, fully you know, under international law, which says occupied land cannot be settled, cannot be taken over, cannot, you know, you can't just take it. Well, this is actually part of the Fort Geneva Convention. That's exactly right. And not only the occupation is wrong, but, but the transfer of population. You can't do it. Transfer the occupation of the occupier into occupied territory is a violation of the Fort Geneva <coughs> Convention. This applies to the Golan Heights. It also applies to the West Bank. And with Gaza. All, with all the settlements there. And the transfer of the population of the occupied land, like what Israel has been doing for many years, the ethnic cleansing of, of Palestinians and, and Syrians there. It's also a violation. And Israel has been getting away with this. So there is a question from uh, one of our viewers or a comment from one of our viewers uh, on Facebook Live. And he's saying, well, pretty much like 
why every Arab nation remains silent? Well, let's, you know, um, I have some good news and some bad news for our, for our listener who's asking, I think, uh, an excellent question, which is, uh, where is Mohammed bin Salman? Where is King, Abdul- King Abdullah? Where, where are the great Arab leaders of this time who have said nothing? The only Arab leader that has said anything, Jamal, has been obviously Bashar al-Assad, who says, you know, you that's can't, my land. That's my land. You can't do that. Well, the bad news is that. Mah- I, and I also have to say, the residents of the Golan Heights, the Syrian residents, or who are the vast majority, are Druze. Yeah. They demonstrated as they should, raising the Syrian flag and, the, and saying that we are part of Syria. We're not part of uh, Israel. So they reject. As they should. That no one has consulted them well, who they should belong to. But, and they rejected, you know, that annexation that was green-lighted basically by Donald Trump. But, but the, the bad news that I was going to get to, Jamal, the real bad news is that unfortunately many, if not Arab leaders now, and this is a distinction from Arab leaders, from, from the citizens of the Arab world, Arab leaders are complicit with this illegality. Uh, that is being perpetrated in the Golan Heights, that is being perpetrated in the West Bank, Gaza, and uh, in historic Palestine. So could we expect uh, Mohammed bin Salman, who murders his own critics, who is ready to sell Palestinians down the river, literally, um, to to stand up and and be the leader? Do we expect um, al-Sisi, the president, who, who managed to accede to the presidency in a major coup, uh, would we expect Sisi to say anything? Of course not. These Arab leaders are despots. They're dictators. They oppress their own people. They murder their own citizens. We would not expect these individuals to support international law. What we did here, however, um, despite this disappointment from the lack of response from Arab leaders, we heard from the European Union. We heard from African countries. We heard from countries all over the world who We've said— We've heard from the United Nations. We've heard from the United Nations. We've heard from all over the world for people who said, the United States, we do not agree with you. You cannot annex this land. It is not part of Israel. It is Syrian land, and it will continue to be Syrian land until the occupation stops— Full stop. So we can't expect Arab leaders to to do anything, unfortunately, because they are just as complicit in this um, in this. Uh, I, I don't even know what to call it. This this thumbing your nose at international law and thumbing your nose at justice and thumbing your nose against the people of Syria who live in the Golan Heights and who've lived there for you know eons to somehow say just because Trump has. And by the way, this is what's interesting, Jamal. He all he did was sign an executive order. This is there. This has no significant meaning, other than it's an executive order from the president. I tend to disagree. Yes, and 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 that's why I draw the analogy of the Balfour, Balfour. Declaration, because again, the Balfour de- Declaration did not garner international support. Of course, it pre- predates the United Nations, but. It was at the time a declaration made by the superpower of that that time, which right. was Great Britain, making a promise, basically, 
to give away Palestinian land to Zionist colonial settlers. Right. This was the declaration, and it became a reality. Today, we have Donald Trump, who is the president of the United States, the only superpower on earth. He is making a similar declaration. It might look like a piece of paper, just a declaration. Yes, it violates all international laws. It violates every single, uh, you know, uh, United Nations resolution. Nevertheless, I think it's a very important piece of paper. That's why Benjamin Netanyahu had a wide smile on his face, and he was running around saying that this is the best president for Israel in the history of the United States, because it's pretty big. I mean, Donald Trump, within a year, he recognized Israel as the capital, I mean, Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. He gave away or uh, pretty much gave his blessing for Israel to complete its annexation of the occupied uh, Golan Heights. I think this is a very important. The well, only way you can reverse this, sure, the United Nations, I agree with you, uh, has not accepted this. The international community, for sure. There'll be some who will, like we'll see, like that, similarly to some of the countries who are now moving their embassies into Jerusalem. Well, I think there's only Few. two. Yeah, but there are people who will agree. But what I'm saying, why it's very dangerous, this is a declaration made by a superpower country, and the United States controls all the cards in the Middle East and beyond, at least at this, at this time, unless somehow you have major opposition within Congress and the Senate. Well, we're going to get to and that, Jamal. They will not do that. No. You know, there is no major they, opposition. They are not. Or you have a new president who will basically rescind this letter. So unless you have that, you know what? Benjamin Netanyahu or any Israeli prime minister after him is not going to move one inch out of the Golan Heights. Well, Jamal, I, uh, I think that that's a very good analysis. And I think that, you know, when, when you juxtapose that analysis next to the failure of Arab leadership, which we have to be very clear about that the failure of uh, the Egyptian president and Mohammed bin Salman uh, the king, well, the essentially the king of uh, Saudi Arabia right now, and any of the Gulf leaders and any of the other 22 uh, leaders, 21 minus Syria, leaders of the Arab League, really, uh, you know, it's an embarrassment to think that uh, they couldn't marshal. Even the Arab League, which is completely a joke, couldn't get their act together, Jamal, to, to do a declaration that basically says we condemn what the United States uh, has done in regards to the... Uh, but back to the topic of uh, God now has anointed Donald Trump to save... Has brought... Has, you know... To, to, if I were the... I mean, I mean, think, think about it. I, I really like to read the lines because I don't want to misquote anyone. I don't want to... I'm you not know, misquoting Jamal. Uh, you know, and, I'm and not look at this crazy statement in this day and age and let's also think about it in terms if it was another leader or if another country or another faith has said basically that you know and these are the words of our secretary of state where we are in a country 
that ha- a country with a constitution Apparently and a not. separation. Apparently the not. The separation of power. Church, church and state. And the separation of church and state, right? Apparently not. So, so here is you have the Secretary of State who is re- basically agreeing with the Christian Broadcast Network uh, interviewer who said, could it be that President Trump right now has been raised or has been sort of raised for such a time as this, just like Queen Esther, to help save the Jewish people from the Iranian menace? And then our Secretary of State says, as a Christian, I certainly believe that's possible. As a Christian. Then he adds, confident that the Lord is at work here. So so the Lord okay. has anointed Donald Trump to save the Jewish people. The Lord has given, basically, Donald Trump, he gave him his real estate license. Well, we know anyway, <laughs> Donald Trump is into the real estate to well, kind of uh, appar- sign, sign off on the deed appar- of the Syrian uh, people apparently God, on behalf of Israel. Uh, apparently, God is the one that gave Donald Trump his real estate license, and and I mean this in all sincerity that, you know, support, you know, uh, Israel supporters right now, whether it be APAC or both houses of the Congress, may have some temporary, you know, good feeling at, at this uh, kind of move by President Trump. But for them to put their faith in someone like Donald Trump, who is, you know, arguably among the most unethical immoral, and what we'll come to see as time goes on has done more illegalities than anybody. For them to feel comfortable with that, uh, I think is, you know, is going to be really misplaced. What I do want to say, though, let's turn the tables, Jamal. That's what exactly what this is exactly what I want to talk about. Let's turn the tables. Let's find someone in the Congress. What if Ilhan Omar says... Uh (laughs) <laughs> Allah has told me that we should uh, that Allah's put me here to give what North Carolina no, to give go- just to give the Golan Heights back to Syria. Give the Golan, which is by the way, it's it's already justifiable said, yeah. because it's their land. But right. let's say that God gave her that. Uh, what, what do you think would ha- what do you think would happen? Listen, just I mean, I, I just tell you one thing. I mean, now we are seeing the Islamophobes coming out of the woodwork every single day, and we we, we haven't started to talk about no, we will. what happened. We have in, to talk uh, about that in New Zealand. But just to give you something that just happened. Just a couple of days ago, just uh, this week, a an Egyptian American doctor oh, this in is New a, Jersey. This I mean, is, this is this yeah. is guys. If you don't know the story, I think you should look it up. So this uh, Egyptian uh, doctor from New Jersey, he builds a new house, and just like. Um, you'll see that in a lot of homes in the Middle East or something. He puts, MashaAllah, tabarak, tabarak Allah. So he <laughs> says, God bless. And uh, and uh, what God has willed, God bless. This is the translation of MashaAllah, Tabarak Allah. Yeah, but basically this God is, bless this house. Yeah, this is God bless this house. This is similar to Which, a Jewish family putting the mezuzah in front of or the, the door or the cross or the cr- cr- anything like it's this it's not a big deal so that so they have an uproar in that <laughs> town a resident was going around distributing flyers that this is 
absurd and un-American. It's Sharia law yeah, in New put, Jersey. To put that in that small town, and, and I mean, this sounds like we're making up stuff I, here. I, I wish we were, and but we're not. We're not. So, I, so on a little thing like this, this is an American citizen, a successful Egyptian American doctor. He's been thankful, thanking God for his blessing and wants to have some blessing for his house. And this is basically gets attacked. And this is, by the way, um, in the Pekanak Lake Wayne in uh, in New Jersey community there. And and by the way, I have something also. I was looking at the picture. He also has has the American flag on his house. I guess that doesn't so matter. So he has, he has the God bless, you know. And so he gets attacked and the flyer calls the community to fly our flag and attend an upcoming association's meeting to discuss the un-American building claiming the structure will affect us, will affect all of us. This is the level of Islamophobia that we are witnessing in this country. Yeah, and I think that's, um, and unfortunately, Jamal, I really think that's the tip of the iceberg because this week, I mean, that story, which is really disturbing, as you said, it's a, it's a very, uh, and I will say, proud Egyptian-American doctor in New Jersey who's happy to be here, happy to raise his family here, pays a lot of taxes, and... You know, just like people in the Jewish faith and, Christ- and Christians all over this country who may hang the Christian cross in their home and say, God bless this home, he does the same thing, uh, is being attacked. This is also the same week, Jamal, that APAC is in town. And if we want to look at hypocrisy and we want to look at um, how, you know, what a— uh, what an effect that this influence is having in our country right now, we can just turn to one interesting comment made by a congressman. And I want to talk about Steny Hoyer. Okay. Steny Hoyer is a... I know where you're going there. (laughs) (laughs) So Ilhan Omar, you know, was viciously attacked, as we know, and continues to be attacked, because she says, why cannot we just discuss foreign policy in this country and really have a good discussion about whether or not un, you know, uncritical support of Israel is good for this country. She gets attacked. She gets a call, accused of being anti-Semitic. She gets called into question about you know, claiming that there's dual loyalties when there are no dual loyalties. And yet we have Steny Hoyer, a congressman from the 5th District in Maryland. He gets up in front of APAC, Jamal, and he said, and I'm paraphrasing. We'll get the exact quote here in a second. But the paraphrase is, dual loyalties, let me be the first to say that my love for Israel and my support for Israel is just as strong as my support for the United States. So if Ilhan Omar said, the same thing, my love for Somalia. And, and my so, love for this country. And this has, yeah, what would, what well, she would, would, would have be been impeached. the reaction? She would be impeached. She, he, she would be called, she, she would be called a, a U.S. hater. And yet a U.S. congressman. Now, in all defense, Steny Hoyer has been criticized. He's tried to walk back the statement. But it's tough to walk back a statement of a U.S. congressman who basically 
flaunts his love, equal love of the state of Israel with, with his uh, district in Maryland. I have to tell you, of all of the outrageous things that congressmen have done, well, this let's is talk, about, I'll talk about the APAC, first of all, because that's all part of that. So I looked at their agenda, and it's a long agenda, right, and all their speakers. Right. And so I can translate it in a couple of things. One, we love Israel. Israel is a democracy. Ilhan Omar, Ilhan Omar, Ilhan Omar, <laughs> Ilhan Omar. We love Israel. Israel is a democracy. Ilhan Omar, Ilhan Omar, Ilhan Omar. Every single speaker who came is about Ilhan they Omar. They pledged their loyalty and their support to Israel. Their and dying how support. It's the only democracy in the Middle East, and how Ilhan Omar is an evil uh, person. They're so obsessed with her at that conference. They are obsessed. They didn't say a single word about the annexation of the Golan Heights. They did not say about anything about Benjamin Netanyahu racist nation state law. Which we'll talk about and here apartheid. Yeah. They didn't mention anything about... They didn't say anything about all the scandals surrounding Benjamin Netanyahu. <laughs> yeah. Right? So that's their all... The whole obsession that they had. Of course, uh, some observers will, will... At least we can comment on this, that they are weaker this year than how they were last year because... They're definitely weaker. Because uh, basically all the uh, presidential candidates didn't show up. Although our senator, Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, did not go to APAC, but she invited their representatives to her office. Uh, I have I have news so, for Kamala Harris, Jamal. She's not getting my vote. No, that's you, the news. You can't have it both ways. You can't announce to the progressive majority element of the Democratic Party that you're not going to APAC, and then invite them to your office. You know, with arms arms open, just like she did last year, Jamal, when she. Uh, she went, went from the back door. She went to the back door and gave a private, uh, private talk. Uh, Kamala, you can't have it. You, Kamala, you're you're speaking to a conference with Benjamin Netanyahu, who says that the state of Israel should be for Jewish people only, and six that means sixty six percent of the population only. That some thirty to thirty three percent of the people who happen to be citizens are not real citizens, Kamala, and you as a former attorney general. Can well, do not, that? It's not, the issue. it's not the issue that she is, uh, of course, our senator from California, and she was uh, former attorney general. Give me a break, and Kamala. she started right here in San Francisco as the district attorney. But she also claims to be progressive. progressive. She's not progressive. And, and then she's progressive on everything except, except Palestine. for Palestine. She's a pep. By the way, Jamal, we're at uh, 89.5 FM here in San Francisco, live on KPOO. We're also broadcasting live on Facebook Live, Jamal Dejani 2, and we're streaming live on, uh, you know, KPO.com. That's right. So is she really progressive? No, she's not. Of course not. You know, when, let's, when, let's it call comes, her out. when it comes to this, I think this was a total disappointment because every other uh, potential or every other candidate basically did not make the pilgrimage this year so they didn't, to APAC. They didn't do the Steny Hoyer thing that no. I'm proud to have dual loyalty. I mean, basically what Steny Hoyer said, Jamal, said, I'm proud to have a dual loyalty. Yes, that's what he said. I'm He's proud. He said, he actually said, let me be, let me say this proud. Like he was loud and proud, giving the message 
that it I'm proud to have dual loyalty. I just I'm just trying to think, Jamal, if you or I or Ilhan Omar or Rashida Tlaib or Ayanna Presley or any of the other progressive Congress people would have the audacity to say that they have loyalty to anything else other than this country. What would befall them? What would happen to them in terms of the political catastrophe that would befall them? But it's okay to do it at APAC to announce that you have such strong fealty to the state of Israel. Well, I mean, after all, uh, you know, Secretary Pompeo and uh, (laughs) others have anointed that they say that God has sent... I would wait to save the Jewish people. And, uh, if and, if, and the if state I of were Israel. in that group, uh, I would I I would have some anxiety. So I want to I want to switch gear here a little bit because we uh, also the big news. Uh, Donald Trump feels vindicated that there was no collusion, and we've been talking. Actually, there is something where you thought that, for example, there'll be indictments coming, you know, targeting. Jared Kushner and others. I still think they're coming. Yeah, but it didn't happen. From the state. It didn't happen. Right. We spent, I mean, also, uh, I have to say, no one that I have spoken to or I've listened to all the pundits with their wall-to-wall coverage, none of them has read the entire Nobody has. Mueller report. No, it's 300 pages. We just have a summary saying that there was no collusion and Donald Trump is taking it and running, t- cashing it at the bank. He's, no, he's, he's just victory like, dance. It's, it's just he's doing a victory dance. No collusion, no collusion. But this is what I think that was missed. And I think it was a major distraction. In my opinion, that whole thing, yeah. even though the way it was played was a major, a major, a very major tactical error on the part, even though Mueller has to be neutral, right? But how many indictments have we had? Well, just to put it bluntly, 37 and indictments. And how, how many ended up in jail, like well, the Cohen? Or they're going Manafort's in jail. So no one is now talking about this. Papadopoulos is in jail, yeah, was no, in jail. Yeah. Nobody's talking about this. I mean, the fact is, like, okay, they kind of cherry-picking and they're saying no collusion. I mean, in my opinion, it was a tactical mistake. The, the, the tactical mistake uh, is that... Mueller should have waited until he finished his entire report and then said, here is my report, and now I'm indicting one, two, three, naming all these people. And then and we haven't found, we don't have right. enough evidence to indict the president, or to, to say that the president has colluded. Nevertheless, we have this many names but who actually, are going Jamal, to be indicted. I, I think then that, people would have yeah, yeah. understood the magnitude no, I think that's of right. this whole infested corruption that is going on but, around the White House. But let me just me finish one thing. I think what was missed, yes, and then people say, oh, I don't know why you keep coming back to Israel. I really don't, I, I think there is an Israel gate and not a Russia gate. Absolutely. You know, and this is something that has not been discussed. Imagine, Jess, remember when we learned when they were talking about retired General Michael Flynn. Right. This was, and, and this is something that got brushed off under the rug very quickly. In December of 2016, the United Nations Security Council was debating a draft resolution that condemned Israeli settlement expansion in the occupied <laughs> territories 
as a flagrant violation under international law that was dangerously imperiling the viability of an independent Palestinian state. So at the time, of course, uh, Trump was a candidate. So the Obama administration had made it clear that the U.S. was planning. Planning, he was his pretty peeved at the time with uh, Netanyahu, if you remember. Right, Obama was right. Uh, Obama towards it. So he made it very clear that that he was planning to have the United States abstain on the resolution. Normally, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, the United the U.S. casts a, a veto on behalf of Israel. That was the one time he was saying. You know, because no veto. no veto, because he was noting that the settlements have no legal validity. This is from the words I was looking at this, that uh, and observing how the settlement problem has gotten so much worse that it is now putting at risk the two-state solution and so forth. You know, this is um, and then he was talking about giving examples. This is the Obama administration. Uh, recalling how even during Ronald Trump, he called for a real settlement freeze in 1982. And while George H.W. Bush tried to curb Israeli settlement building plans by briefly cutting off U.S. loan guarantees to Israel in 1991. So while all of this happening, what, what, what happened? This is when retired General Michael Flynn was trying to make a deal. Right. How they can circumvent or delay or prevent, right, I the Obama that. administration. I remember that. And and uh, from casting that vote. So, so at the time, you have to remember also, this is around December of 2016, uh, General Flynn was part of the transition team. He was part of Donald Trump presidential transition team. So he was acting on behalf of Donald Trump. That's right. Because he was part of the team. So he was working on to influence some governments, right, to, to either veto. delay or vote against or defeat the resolution. So basically he was working against the sitting president and the sitting administration. That's right. During that time. All of this... By the way, Flynn contacted the Russian ambassador about the pending vote. So this is the connection with the, with Russia. He informed the Russian ambassador about the incoming administration opposition to the resolution and requested that Russia vote against or delay the resolution. That's this is all in the court cases of Michael Flynn. Washed, swept under the rug. Funny how so, people so, forget that. So people forgotten about this. They focus on Russia. We've forgotten that this major conspiracy to undermine a sitting administration and a sitting president all on behalf of Israel. That's no one right. talks about this. No, I I'd think like, that's exactly right. I'd like right. to talk about this. I'd like people to focus about this. This is all. You could read all about this in the indictment papers, in the court case. Go back to December of 2016. You'll find it all there. I think that's really a very cogent uh, analysis, Jamal. We do tend to forget that. Let's also not forget that many of the uh, uh, technologies of social influence and manipulating opinion and the psyops that were alleged to be used by the Russians to influence the U.S. election were techniques and uh, software developed by the Israeli psyops, Mossad, 
intelligence community, most likely similarly used by the Russians. And we still don't know about the Israeli influence in the U.S. selection at that time, too. Still a story that that is going to be uh, coming out. By the way, Jamal, just to kind of I want to push this a little bit about the Mueller report because you made so many good points. The Mueller report was never about collusion. It really was not. His mandate was really more about finding if there was obstruction of justice. And what's interesting, it was just breaking news today that the Mueller report is 300 pages, and yet our Attorney General Barr summarized a 300-page report in four pages in which there's only two partial quotes from a 300-page report that Bob Mueller did. And Bob Mueller did say, clearly and uh, Robert Mueller did say in his report, clearly and unequivocally, we know this, that the report neither, uh, you know, doesn't, does neither exonerate or implicate uh, President Trump in the obstruction of justice uh, claim that he tried to obstruct justice in this. Right. So, Jamal, we have a lot more information that's going to be coming out about the Mueller report. Barr's four-page summary is clearly incomplete. It's clearly politically driven. And by the way, it's not William Barr's decision, Jamal, to decide whether or not there was collusion. That, that's not the attorney general's mandate. The attorney general's mandate is to read the report and provide a summary to Congress. What we're going to find, I believe, is that this summary, this four-page summary, is woefully inadequate. We're going to find compelling evidence that probably there was obstruction of justice because he, the president was not exonerated. And I'm going to stand by my predictions that indictments are coming I'm going to hold you to this. Because I do believe that Bob Mueller did something very smart. He did many smart things. But one of the smart things he did is rather than take on the president and his family from the special you know, prosecutor uh, uh, point of view, he decided to farm out all of these other investigations to state agencies like the you know, Southern District of New York which is investigating a lot of these things. And I think we're going to find other federal, other federal prosecutors, other you know, DOJ offices in these, uh, you know, in these states are going to come after the Trumps and the Kushners with state charges, which will be very compelling, having to do with obstruction, having to do with illegality. Having to, and we know, for example, I mean, this just came out in the last couple of days too, um, Deutsche Bank has released all of its uh, financial information regarding, <clears throat> excuse me, some of Trump's, you know, um, illegal applications. I mean, he clearly lied on all these applications. He inflated his assets, deflated his debts to make himself look as if he was wealthier. So irrespective of the Mueller uh, report, Jamal, which I still think is going to we're going to find lots of problems. Uh, this story is not over. Well, uh, talking about inflating the assets and uh, but he's uh, anointed these, by God, so obtaining all I guess these it's loans, okay. 
my uh, CPA uh, this week, he uh, told me that I was <laughs> on paper a billionaire wealthier <laughs> than Donald Trump because I've actually paid taxes. <laughs> so, so he, he, because he said, if you examine Donald, that's why, why Donald Trump is not releasing his uh, taxes, because you're going to find out that he basically paid zero taxes for oh, yeah. these years. Massive illegality. And Massive. obtained millions and millions of dollars worth of loans and transactions. And then at the end of the day, he paid zero money in taxes. Well, we, we also know from Michael Cohen, Jamal, that uh, when Donald Trump, I guess, uh, tried to buy the Buffalo Bills when they were up for sale and uh, had to go to Deutsche Bank to, in, to kind of get a loan for some of that money, Michael Cohen said under oath that yes, he he put together a false financial, you know, package for Deutsche Bank that overinflated uh, Donald Trump's assets and underreported uh, his debts. That's called fraud. That's and illegal. Michael Cohen should know that because he was his lawyer and he yeah. was doing the same thing by overinflating the value of his medallions exactly and obtaining loans. So exactly. they played this game. Uh, we have a few oh, we only have left. a few minutes, Jamal. And last week we uh, we were not on the air, and uh, you were traveling, and um, so a horrible thing happened. Yeah, we in should New talk Zealand. about that. And so we didn't get to talk about it—the brutal massacre of 50 worshippers in New Zealand. Uh, I mean, still the community there is mourning, and we mourn with them. I think the inter- the whole world. But at the same time, uh, at the same time, I wanna I, I have a shout out, you know, even during this terrible time, to their prime minister. Amazing. An amazing. World leader. Why can't we have a leader imagine, like that? Imagine, <laughs> I mean, aside from her, from her sympathy and action, but imagine a country after this happened, right? Right. Within a very short period of time. One week, Jamal. They within ban, a, within they one ban week. assault weapons. Yep, within We've one week. We've been talking about it. I mean, and, and again, it's all connected internationally. Sadly, we also learned this week that two of the children— of, of Marjorie survivors Stoneman, yeah. in the school committed suicide. Right. One father of Sandy Hook. Sandy Hook also yeah. committed suicide. Yeah, it's sad. We are still debating about gun control in this country. We're not debating it even. I mean, it's there's there. no debate. The NRA just controls the agenda in Washington D.C. While you have a country that was basically shaken by this uh, heinous crime, and they took action. And the leader took action, and she was able to bring her community together right. I wanna, in, in such a terrible time where we have here Donald Trump, when he sent his condolences, he didn't even mention the Muslim community there. He said, oh, I spoke to the prime minister, and I gave my condolences to the, condolences people, of to the people of New Zealand. I mean, this is, this is the difference right. that we're seeing here. Uh, I want to just say two things about three things about Christchurch, Jamal. It's a tragedy of uh, unimaginable viciousness. The killer, in his manifesto, said that he was inspired essentially by Donald Trump. That's right. I, I, I think why aren't we saying more about that? That they were he was inspired by what Donald Trump was doing to 
promote basically white supremacy. And Donald Trump, when he was interviewed about the rise of white supremacy, and he said, "No, no, this is a fringe element." It's not. He, uh, it's is not. No, it's gonna, not going to even confess to the fact that this is. Basically, more people are getting killed in this country by white supremacists. Absolutely, than any other and group. and so I think you know, okay, maybe you know we need to look at that. But the other thing that I found really compelling about Christchurch, Jamal, all the things that you said, amazing leader, coming together of a community. When they banned assault weapons in Christchurch, Jamal, you had people who own these weapons come to their local police departments and handing in their weapons themselves. Yeah. Handing in their weapons themselves. Can you imagine what, I mean, first of all, can't imagine ever. No, no, we have a mad rush in this country. People are buying them. Buying yeah. and stocking on weapons. So I mean, this is e- the difference. And even with the bump stocks, Jamal, you know, the bump stocks that make semi-automatic weapons, That's automatic right. weapons. Right. They even tried, I mean, they that was supposed to go in effect. It went into effect this week. Some of the supporters of the NRA filed a petition with the Supreme Court to even stop that. Yep. That's how crazy it is. Well, I guess on that note, Jamal, um, we've got a lot to talk about here on Arab Talk. And, uh, you know, there's a lot going on right now. When you have a mass murderer saying that he feels inspired, essentially, by Donald Trump, and you have the president giving away land that is not his and taking uh, doing his end zone dance based on a couple of you know sentences that were taken out of a 300 page report i feel like we're headed for some rough territory and the other thing is just and in a sad way we've been talking about islamophobia for how long uh, well, when did when did nine eleven? We've been talking okay, about it for seventeen many years. years, and we've been talking and warning about it. In particular, for the past year, we have we've had expert panelists, right. we've had ex- expert guests. Uh, we had Dr. Hatem Bazian in a sad way just a few days before the, uh, uh, the massacre in uh, New Zealand, and it's real, ladies and gentlemen. Islamophobia is real. It's on the rise. If we're not going to do something about it, it's just going to get worse. Thank you for joining us today. You've been listening to Arab Talk on KPOO in San Francisco. We're at 89.5 FM. You can follow us on ArabTalkRadio.com where you can find all of our streaming. And where else can you find us, Jamal? Well, just go to our website, ArabTalkRadio.com, and you can subscribe for free to our all of our archive material on iTunes, SoundCloud, all of those places, and all these places. Okay, we'll see you next week. See you next week.